Thank you so much, Coach Harris, for joining me today for the Wave Capital uh, guest speaker series on relationship building in a team environment. And, and you're my guest today. And thank you so much for being here. I'm glad to be here. Thank you, Garrett. You're very welcome, Coach Harris. And could you provide me your definition of team building? What is team building and relationship building specifically mean to you? Well, I uh, let me start by saying I actually have written on this and spoken on it quite a bit uh, in uh, the business world context, uh, but using my sports background. So uh, let me start off real quick. This may take a minute, but sure, it's a go good ahead. question. I wrote this book on point, Four Steps to Better Life Teams, about eight years ago. It's still on Google. Uh, it's not hot anymore, but it, it, it uh, served the purpose. I, I got my message out and did a lot of uh, speaking on it, but um, it combines sports stories uh, and also with biblical references. And uh, whether you're an individual or uh, a business, the principles apply to varying degrees uh, as they lead to relationships. And so it's up to any individual company to make their applications. But uh, to start, I think too much emphasis has been uh, paid to leadership. You know, there's been so many books and articles and speeches and everything written on leadership. But if everyone's pushing to be the leader, you're not going to have much of a team. So in the book, we emphasize being of influence over leadership. It notes how to increase one's influence quotient, your IQ. Uh, have a little different kind of IQ. Uh, but you, you need influencers in different areas on your team. In, in basketball, you need a, a leader in the locker room, one on, for offense, one for defense, one in practice who just sets the tone. In business, it may be this department, that department, or area, and, and so forth. Leadership then develops as the influencers, you know, get a little better and know how to and just take their, their role and live with it. And uh, you get leadership to develop, actually, then uh, without it being obtrusive and, uh, and, and in a less competitive way. So, well, how, Dell? You know, that's one thing to say it how. Well, briefly, individually or corporately, uh, you first of all, number one, develop a purpose or mission for yourself or your family or your business or other organization, whatever your team in life is we're talking about. And sometimes it's called living intentionally. Well, second, you must develop uh, the and demonstrate, show caring. You got to I say, do caring. Unless you invest in others and show that you're ready to help them, uh, then the rest of the points I have, <laughs> three and four, won't matter much because you're not going to get very far if you can't show uh, that you are investing and you're, you're caring uh, about the people that you're you know, hoping to lead. 
then you you must be willing, number three, to to be a mentor. Um, everybody wants to get better at whatever it is they're doing. Look at Tiger Woods. He he would he was the best, but if he failed to get better at any given time, he would change coaches. Uh, and so it's that way in life. I think everybody prefers to get better. So if you're in any uh, influential position at all above somebody, then if you will, and particularly where performance matters, you know, in on the court and in, 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 the, in the workplace, if you can assist, correct, mentor, cover for somebody, you know, help them um, along, this will draw that person to you. You will become influential with that person. And even if it's a competitor and, and your encouragement and help him gets him ahead of you in the order on the team or in the business, well, at least you know you have somebody ahead of you now that, that likes you, that cares about you because you cared about them. And then uh, fourth, you need to uh, develop an aura of encouragement about you and in your interactions uh, with people. Uh, now, some people say, well, you just got to be positive about everything. No, everything isn't okay. You still, you've got to be correct errors, mistakes, obvious ones. You still have to be a mentor, but under control. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, you can't laud half efforts, for example. Uh, so, uh, but overall, you're still on that encouraging positive uh, lane. Now, what will happen is amazing. If you do these things, you live with purpose, de uh, demonstrate caring, be willing to mentor, uh, and have that aura of encouragement, what will happen is uh, what I call a cycle of fulfillment. And that is this, that when you do those things, the per persons you do this with will develop a trust in you. How can you not trust someone who's always there to help you and encourage you? And then in time, trust on steroids becomes loyalty. And where there is loyalty, what will happen next is affection or even love in uh, particular relationships, but affection. And where there is affection, when this happens, that's the basis for unity. And unity has another name, relationships. So the irony here is it can happen person to person or person to product or person to a service uh, or, or a service business, say, for example, uh, you begin to trust and be loyal to, like uh, I'm loyal to Lexus. I've had over the last well, 30 years, I've had 19 of them. So uh, I like them, you know, I'm affectionate for them. <laughs> and so what you're going to have when you do these things is a longtime friend or customer, a relationship, 
So that's my that's my line. <laughs> well, the coach, I think that was uh, pretty pretty awesome. The way that you were just able to explain all that to to me and, and our audience, you know, who really looked to you and who have admired the NBA for so many years, being fans of the sport, the coaches who have coached, the players who have played, um, the organizations, being able to put teams and, and players and coaches in, a, in the position to succeed. And, and, you know, you talking about unity and you talking about trust and loyalty and talking about how you have to really put yourself out there. If you are a leader and you recognize the strengths and weaknesses of your teammates, knowing how to bring the best out of them to compete every every day, every night on the basketball court. And you're right about, oh, outside of professional sports and other professional walks of life, you know, depending on the company you work for or an organization you work for, it doesn't have to necessarily be um, sports related, but you can take so many life lessons that you're imparting here today and the books that you've written discussing those elements of what it takes to have great life teams as you illustrated in your book. When you think of, you know, you talked about your son being assistant general manager for the Golden State Warriors, and, you know, I'm sure you've been a mentor to him. Maybe talk to me about your father and son relationship with, with your son and maybe talk about, you know, some of the teams that you've coached. You know, you led the 1981 Houston Rockets to the NBA finals against the, the Boston Celtics. You know, I'm sure, you know, on that team that you took to the NBA finals and other teams, you know, talk to me about some of the players, you know, as you've coached, uh, we'll talk about Kobe Bryant later on in the broadcast, but maybe talk about just other, other people, coaches or team teammates, uh, you know, on your teams that you really, that you really felt, affected you in a positive, positive way. And that really made a good impact on you. I would know where to start, uh, Garrett. Uh, I, uh, I always tried to coach uh, in such a way that uh, 10 years later or whatever, we'd still be friends, you know, and uh, I didn't bat a hundred percent, but I had a pretty good percentage and sure. Uh, I have so many uh, guys that I coached, even going back uh, to high school and college, uh, as well as uh, each team that uh, I was with uh, in the NBA, Rockets, Bucks, Lakers, uh, Mavericks, um, uh, well, even spent a year with Chicago Bulls, and uh, uh, for that matter, and uh, Derek Rose and, and uh, oh, uh, uh, Joe Noah uh, became uh, very good friends to me. Uh, in those times, I, I've been fortunate to have worked uh, with, oh, I don't know, 15 or 17 uh, Naismith Hall of Fame players. And, you know, you don't get to be that unless you have uh, – character, uh, you know, work ethic, uh, along with the skill. I mean, every player in the NBA, every player, the last guy on the roster is very skilled. There's no bad players. If you ever stepped on a court for a minute, you were a very good player. I have a, the highest regard for 
those kinds of players. And in fact, the last 13 years I've been working with the uh, Mavericks uh, Development League team, the Texas Legends, and I've seen the, the Development League, now called the G League, um, just grow uh, exponentially. Uh, used to players would go to Europe if they didn't uh, get an NBA contract because that was where the money was. But now they, they play in, in the development league because maybe the money immediately isn't as big uh, as it might be to go to China or uh, Spain or somewhere. But the opportunities are so much better uh, in the G League. Well, I think, and I think that it's wonderful that you have, you know, the development league and you have the, the G league as well. And that you see players who they have different maturation. Um, they have different maturation uh, journeys in terms of becoming, you know, professional basketball players, whether they play in the NBA or overseas in Europe or in other leagues. And eventually they, they do, you know, get to their peaks, but, you know, like any competitor, like any athlete, if you work hard at something with the skills that you have and the drive that you have, and I think the determination, perseverance, it, it all comes into play. It, it, it's having the skills, but also having, you know, the God-given talent to compete. And you're exactly right. You know, nobody ever thinks about at times uh, the, the, the role players, you know, the ones who come off the bench, but, you know, when they give good minutes and they can score points or they can do other things like rebound the ball, assist the ball, play defense, it all comes into play to become a successful organization and to make a difference on, on those championship teams. And so I think about, you know, in, in your, in your um, case, I mean, you've been, you've been recognized um, you know, by the Basketball Hall of Fame, you've been recognized as an NBA coach of the year. Um, you know, talk about, you know, some of the, um, the accolades that, um, that, that you have, that you are most proud of. Um, what, what are ones that really stand out to you? I, I really don't much want to talk about uh, those kinds of things. Uh, it, uh, when you get these awards and things at my age, I'm 84, it just means you're old and uh, you, you've been around. Uh, but I'd rather talk about the players and, and such. Uh, I, I just was blessed with uh, being with, uh, I won't say I coached them, I, at least I didn't prevent them from being Hall of Famers. <laughs> but uh, starting with uh, I mean, I could go back uh, to the college and high school times of how those players uh, helped me along. I wouldn't have gone from – I started out coaching junior high, then high school, then small college, uh, and in Puerto Rico before I ever coached in the NBA. So uh, there was a stair step, and I got help all along the way. But Moses Malone was uh, probably the biggest key factor in my longevity of uh, being in the NBA, which uh, we uh, started with him in the ABA, thanks to Tom Nasulke bringing me there as assistant coach after we had coached against one another in Puerto Rico. And um, then 
the next year we uh, were with the Houston Rockets and uh, we made a trade to get Moses uh, from Buffalo at that time. The NBA was, was no longer. And uh, with Moses, uh, I had him six years as assistant coach or head coach, and he made MVP twice. Uh, we went to the final four twice, the finals once, and um, he, he just, uh, if I hadn't been with Moses, uh, rest in peace, wonderful man, uh, for those years, uh, I, I, there's no way I could have still be, I'd still be working uh, for an NBA uh, organization uh, all these years later, since 1975. Uh, and so along the way, then there were other, you know, Hall of Famers like, you know, Calvin Murphy and Rudy Tomjanovich on that same team and uh, Sydney and Jack at uh, uh, Milwaukee and uh, then uh, Shaq and Kobe and there may be more uh, that right. I had at, at the Lakers and so forth. So, uh, and yet you make a great point uh, Garrett, and that's what really made me want to come back. There are about 500 players in the NBA. Now, 450 of them, more or less, are role players. And you, in my book, I honor the role player in life. And I, I really think that's, that's uh, overlooked a lot of times. But there are only, again, I don't know, let's say there may be 50 players in the league that you re could put in the top 50. You know, obviously there are 50. <laughs> Your list might be different than mine. But at any rate, what makes for championship teams, though, is whether those key players, those all-around can-do-it-all type players, can get enough role players around them that – are happy in their role and really contribute greatly in various ways uh, to make for championship teams. So, you know, when you're looking to hire somebody, you're probably not looking to hire the CEO. Uh, so you're looking to hire somebody that's going to be a role player and then hopefully, or draft one, you know, you're not going to draft normally the guy that's going to be your best player the very next year. It happens. I know that it's happened before, but you're not going to get many of those. Those go first or second uh, and, and go to a poor team, <laughs> you know, <laughs> somebody finished last, but, uh, but anyway, it's these role players that do develop and so forth. And we see that from the development league, the G league, uh, and we see it on teams, uh, second round draft picks and stuff right. really become the, the, a, a central figure. Well, I mean, it's, it's just, you know, amazing that again, you know, talking about the role players and it's so refreshing that you, you highlight them in, in your book and that, you know, you recognize them because, you know, everybody should be accounted for on a, on a team, everybody's skills, everybody's passions, everybody's, you know, abilities to make a team whole and to make them competitive. And there's just so much love for the game of basketball. You know, I'm a big, you know, fan and I've 
personally met Michael Jordan. He always had the love for the game of basketball. He still does, even years after he's retired. You know, you have players, you know, like Kobe or like Shaq, uh, players, you know, who you've mentioned, like Moses Malone or, you know, coaches like Rudy, Rudy Tomjanovich, who, you know, two-time, you know, NBA champion and head coach of the Houston Rockets. And one of my friends I go back, you know, eight years with Kevin Willis, who you coached in, in Dallas as an assistant coach um, when he was with the Mavericks briefly. Yes. And Kevin has always been, you know, a star player. You know, he was able, whether he was a starter or a role player and, you know, he scored, he rebound, he assisted a guy that you would want on your team to, to make you feel like, you know, feel good. And, and you know, it did his job, you know, and I, and I just think of all the other players you know, and coaches who I've met and, you know, they all have a place in, you know, basketball history. And, and for you to talk about, you know, and highlight some of the players um, that really, you know, impacted, I think your coaching career, I, I think that's, I think it's really speaks to the longevity you've had um, in the NBA, but it also speaks to, you know, your, your credibility as a, as a beacon for, for the sport and how much you've done for it. I mean, I think that, you know, you, I know that you talk, you don't, you know, focus on the accolades as much, but I mean, you know, to win the, you know, award named after Chuck Daly, I think that is, that is, that's truly remarkable or, or John Bunn. I think that's, you know, truly remarkable. And um, talking about, you know, your relationship with, with Kobe Bryant, who, who has since passed, um, but, you know, you were his first NBA coach. Could you talk to me about that, about that experience? What was it like to coach, you know, an 18 year old, you know, Kobe Bryant? Well, it's, uh, you know, an honor to uh, have been associated with him. You know, I coached his dad. Uh, so the first time I ever met Kobe was four years old. So people ask me, what was your first impression of Kobe? Well, I thought he was really cute, <laughs> but that's not what they were talking about, of course. Uh, he's four years old. But, uh, well, you know, I obviously wish that uh, I could have been with him more than just when he was 18 and 19. He was 17 the day we drafted him. Um, but uh, he became uh, – such uh, a wonderful player. And then as he developed uh, personally uh, and in team way, uh, ways and so forth, he, he just became, uh, uh, you know, one of the great players ever. And it's a shame that his life was cut so short because he had already set up things to where I think he was going to be even more effective in life, helping those who need help uh, and, and guidance in uh, their lives, particularly the young people. Uh, but it was cut short. And, and, uh, but I think he would have done more for society uh, than he did even as, as the wonderful player that he was. And, uh, but anyway, uh, he, you talk about work ethic, uh, almost all the guys that become great that, I, and all of them that I know of 
had a great work ethic and uh, but it, it was you know you take the, the the great skill that he had and combine that with intense purpose you talk about a player having a mission uh, and then sticking to it uh, he did that from day one and uh, he's he's uh, obviously a great role player for any kid uh, to look up uh, up to 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 try you know used to say be like Mike you know and yeah. Kobe wanted to be like Mike and he did and now you can say you know be like Kobe and because uh, he learned to be a good team player and help you know help his play teammates along uh, along. I mean, at first, of course, he was just intense on trying to get more playing time. <laughs> he came to a team that was already a, a big winner and was young. I didn't, uh, you know, we didn't have to put him in. He, you know, his second year, he only started one game. Now, I averaged 15 points a game, our third leading scorer on the team. But, uh, he uh, still had to, you know, correct some things and work his way in. But he was uh, voted second in the Six Man of the Year award as, as a 19-year-old kid, and still not quite fully developed physically. Unlike when LeBron came in with his mammoth body, uh, Kobe was uh, slight by comparison. Uh, as an 18-year-old and got a little bigger as a 19-year-old and then uh, it got even better and better. But um, anyway, it, it was good for him to be on a team, though, that didn't need him because it made him, and he said this later on, that it made him refine his game because the first year that we had Kobe, we won 56 games, and the second year I had him, we won 61 and Shaq missed a total of 53 games in those two years. And we still won 56-61. And that's uh, why Kobe filled such a big role as sixth man. I'd always had a good sixth man. I had Ricky Pierce was one of the best sixth man uh, ever. And then uh, before that, Calvin Murphy. And I think it's a key role. Uh, you know, the John Havlicek role, that to me, it's, it's a... It's an integral part. And, and again, that's a role on the team. You know, it's important. Well, I, I, I totally agree. I totally respect every role that every NBA player has in any sport that, that, I, that I've admired, whether it's the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball. And, and you talk about, and you talk about, you know, the dominance that Kobe had. And, you know, you talk about how his, you know, career really blossomed you know, under you, and then it set himself up for the rest of his Hall of Fame career. And I, you know, I work with my, you know, father at my company. And, you know, you talk about, you know, your son being in the business, uh, or I mentioned it to you being the assistant GM of, the, of Golden State Warriors. And, you know, I think about, you know, when I met Bill Walton, you know, a little over a decade ago, and I even, you know, mentioned to him about, you know, what it was like to, to have his son, you know, you know, play for the Lakers. And, you know, he, he was just very prideful. I remember him telling me how prideful he was, or when I worked at ESPN, I met a gentleman, Chris Ramsey, who worked at ESPN. His father was Dr. Jack Ramsey, who uh, took the Portland trailblazers and 
the Bill Walton team and won an NBA title. So I, I think about, you know, the players I've met and, and you know, the roles that they've had and, and how their, their families or how other family members, you know, whatever business they were in, um, you know, played a, a, an integral role and in, in having that special bond. So could you talk to me a little bit about, you know, what, uh, what it means that your son's in the business and, and your relationship with him and, you know, and being in the very important position he's with, with the Warriors, what does that, what does that mean to you? Well, of course, uh, I'm proud of him. I have five children. I'm proud of, of each of them. And uh, they're all uh, outstanding in different ways. Uh, they all, I uh, have four sons and a daughter, and they all played uh, college basketball. Uh, and uh, my daughter, for example, played at Marquette. Uh, and the, the boys were all either D2 or D1. And uh, they, all of them have done something in basketball uh, as far as coaching or teaching kids uh, besides Larry. And uh, Larry's been in the league now 34 years. I, I hired him initially uh, as a uh, scout and, and uh, IT guy way back in the 80s when the uh, computerization of, of things just started. And he had graduated with a degree and uh, uh, played four years and graduated with a degree in math and computer science back uh, in the uh, in the 80s. So uh, that's done well for him over the years in the NBA. Uh, his son is also working in the NBA, my grandson, uh, with uh, the Washington Wizards uh, Development League team. And my youngest son, Dominic out in Los Angeles teaches uh, basketball to kids and is doing a great job. And he's actually wanting to move up into the G League whenever that can happen for him. And uh, so each of them just are, are wonderful. I've, I've been incredibly blessed with five uh, very successful and wonderful kids. <laughs> Well, I'm sure it makes you very, very proud and uh, to be able to speak so, you know, highly and well of your, of your children who have accomplished so much and I'm sure have made you proud and um, and to see them blossom into the professionals they become and to be a part of the NBA in some way, shape or form. And, you know, it's it's I think, you know, with what we see in the world today and, you know, nothing should replace the strength of a family. You know, I mean, I know times have changed and I know that, you know, the family structure in some respects is not as strong as it used to be. But I think that, you know, with good old family values that, that I grew up with as well, um, I'm glad to see that, you know, people, you know, can grow and learn and look to their parents or look to their, in your case, look to you as a father and, and think back to all the wonderful memories that he or she have, you know, your children and seeing what you've done for this sport and how selfless, you know, you've been and how you've molded players and how you've impacted, you know, other coaches as well and how they've impacted you. And I think that, you know, to have that special bond that you have with your children is, is, a, is, a, is truly amazing. And I think also about things that you've done 
outside of sports and you did uh, and I know this is you know something that I feel is something worth mentioning because it became one of the highest grossing basketball movies of all times the original Space Jam and you made an appearance in Space Jam could you Tell me how that all materialized. And I'm sure your kids being a younger age, they probably thought it was pretty cool that you could be featured in the same movie as uh, Michael Jordan and, and, the, and the Looney Tune squad. So maybe you can tell me a little bit about how that all uh, materialized for you. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's a good one. Uh, I, I should have also mentioned uh, Stan, Alex, and Carrie. I, I mentioned Larry. And, oh, sure. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, your children has done well. My children, absolutely, uh, Dominic. But uh, yeah, I'll tell you, Garrett. Uh, you know, at, at my age, you know, when I go to basketball camps, uh, which I do for the Texas Legends every summer, Spud Webb and I. Uh, I, I do Mondays and Spud does uh, Wednesdays uh, at these uh, uh, Legends uh, Kitties camps, and they don't know who I am, you know, some white-haired guy. But when I tell them that uh, I was uh, Kobe's first coach and Magic's last coach, and I was in Space Jam, well, you know, now I'm all right. And because I will tell you, it's just just amazing. Uh, we did that movie in uh, in '96, and I was coaching the Lakers. And uh, so uh, every quarter since 1996, I've gotten a, a check from Warner Brothers uh, for starring along with Michael and Bugs Bunny. Uh, I'm in the scene early. Uh, what happened? Uh, the space aliens took over Barkley and Ewing's body in New York, and then we had to play the next night in L.A., and my players don't want to uh, risk playing because there's bugs out there, according to Cedric Sabalos, who, by the way, Cedric is struggling with uh, COVID right now. Uh, and I hope he feels well. better. I'm praying for him. He, I mean, he's had a serious case. Uh, so, uh, wonderful man too. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, Vladi doesn't want to go. They don't, don't want to go. So they, they, they don't go into the locker room. They put on gas masks and go out on the court. So that's how people will remember my scene. They don't remember me, but they remember the gas masks. I know, and I remember you were saying in the movie, you're talking about a huge fine here. Huge fine. <laughs> yeah. I just remember. <laughs> and um, yeah, that really that really resonated with, with me. And I and you know, you're a part of you know basketball, you know, movie history. And I I, I, I wanted to you know, you brought up Magic Johnson, and before we 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 depart from our interview, you know, you had mentioned Magic being your your last, um, you know, or you being Magic's last coach. Rather, what 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 was that? What was that like to be able to coach Magic Johnson and all the adversity he had to face and coming back into playing shape? You know, playing in the NBA after being, you know, out of the game for about a few years. 
Well, I will tell you, uh, this is, I've never even told this one before, uh, other than to, you know, my inner circle. I, I mean, I've never said it publicly, but uh, I had so much regard for a magic. I coached against him, you know, his, his entire career. Uh, but I got to know him. Uh, there, there are sometimes there are players you coach against, you get to know them, and a lot of them you don't. But uh, I had uh, I talked to him different times, one to one. And when he was diagnosed uh, with the HIV and then he, he dropped out of playing, I also quit coaching uh, shortly thereafter at the Milwaukee Bucks, where I was head coach and uh, and uh, general manager and just became general manager. I turned it over to uh, the late Frank Hamblin, great friend, assistant coach, and, uh, and I just became general manager uh, the rest of that year. The last two games I coached uh, for the Bucks was against uh, Jack Ramsey at Indiana and uh, – and and the Lakers minus Magic, we won both games by 20, 25 points. That's the last games I coached for the Bucks. But I, there were just problems. There was Magic, and there was the Gulf War, and there was an operation I had that didn't go great. So I quit, and. To have a chance to actually coach him, and I will tell you, he played great. He came in knowing he wasn't going to be the point guard because by then he weighed 265, 6'9", and I needed a bigger guy to go with the young team I had. I had A.D. Jones and, and, uh, and uh, Nick Van Exel in the backcourt. And uh, you know, they were terrific. You know, we, we won big with both of them, and both of them made the all-star team. And uh, so, uh, anyway, we, we got um, uh, Magic in there in uh, late January, early February. Anyway, you can go to YouTube and Google in uh, – Magic's final season the games, and you can see they have, it's not the whole game. You've got the highlights of Magic. I want to tell you, it's some of the best basketball you're going to see. Uh, he, he made some three-pointers and stuff, but he would get inside, and he had the right hook, the left hook, and then those passes behind his back and over his shoulder, and I mean, no looks, and on the break, you know, he was still magic. Oh, I, I tell you, it, it was terrific. And last thing, the day he practiced, the first practice, and it was known that he was coming back, going to be the first practice, it was at LMU um, uh, on the campus there in, in Los Angeles and LMU University. We had cameras from the – you know, to beaming back to Asia and Europe. And it was like a, an NBA playoff game 
but not a, not a, not a first round. <laughs> it was like you know at least uh, the the Western Conference Finals. Or I, I mean, it was as a former president used to say, huge. <laughs> it was it was it was an event. Well, I wish I could have been there to experience it. I definitely will go on YouTube to oh. look at his highlights. And I, I enjoy looking at a lot of, you know, former players' highlights from Magic to Michael to Larry. Guys like David Robinson or, you know, guys like Shaq and Kobe, Carmelone, Stockton. I mean, you know, I grew up with late 80s and – all throughout 90s, early 2000s basketball. And, you know, those Lakers teams that you coached were, were legend, legendary uh, type of players. And, you know, you're a winner, coach. You, you've proven to be a winner time and time again. And y- your leadership skills and your coaching skills and your ability to make an impact on everybody you come across really, really resonates to this day. And you're, you're an icon and the fact that you were able to be in a position to, you know, coach and to mentor and to teach and you're full of history. And I'm so glad that we can document this. And I'm so glad that you're here today. And I'm just really proud of this moment to be interviewing you. And I really thank you so much for your time. Well, full of history. That's a, that's a compliment. I've been called worse. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, well, I need you to be my publicity director, I, I think. <laughs> but, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm the dash at L.A. between uh, Riley and Jackson. But I uh, was proud to be there. And uh, we uh, it's uh, kind of a, a signal thing I, that uh, – you know, when you've been the coach of the Lakers, it just kind of is uh, it is different. And uh, and you know, I'm always you know just glad to have, have been a part of it. Well, of all so- of them, for that matter. I mean, not to take away from certainly from Houston and and uh, Milwaukee and here, uh, we've had a great run here and and with the Mavericks. So. Yeah, it's well anyway, but thank you. <laughs> You're welcome and, and God bless. And I and I hope that we can do another interview soon uh, because you've been a great guest. And I look forward to talking to you again soon, Coach. Thanks so much and God bless to you and your family. Well, and God bless you as well. Very, very nice. Thank you. Take care, Coach. Thank you so much. Yeah.